You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out to your ancestors and to mine, to those people who were here before us, those who lived well and died well, those who met the challenges of their time one way or another. But in doing so, they have cultivated this rich legacy and they bring to us all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines for us to draw from for us to learn from, for us to be able to go forward in a way that we do not repeat the mistakes of the past, but that we can truly learn from them, and to go forward differently where necessary, and then to draw on the deep wisdom of the old ways that still support us in this day, for we are still human beings on the same planet moving through the same universe. And for that which is constant, we give great gratitude to these ancestors. And for their support and that which must change, we are also thankful. We reach beyond these human ancestors out to those things that live here with us that were here long before anyone ever dreamt up a human. We give great gratitude to the helping spirits and all of their many forms for being with us here today, for coming to us and helping us and supporting us to remember our own true nature. And to be focused as each of these energies are in nature around us. To be focused on why we are here. What is the unique genius that we bring. And we give great gratitude for the plethora of support that we have. That is abundant and generous. To help us to sort out what it is that we are here to do and to do it. And for all of this energy gathering around us here today, let's gather ourselves from wherever our minds might be at this moment and draw it into the focus in our head. Let's take a nice deep breath and go from our heads to our heart. Another nice breath from our heart to our belly. And finally, let us reach out and touch the earth and take a moment and give sincere gratitude for this day. A gratitude for life itself, for the wonder of this experience, for all the many, many, many things that happen along the way that you might have the opportunity to learn what you must learn, to awaken the gifts that you have brought into this life. We give great gratitude for the beauty and the diversity, the wonder of life and all the many, many, many unexplained miracles that are here waiting to happen for us. And with enormous gratitude for life in our hearts, let us move our energy down through all the layers of the earth, allowing our gratitude to pour out as we go, as we reach down through all the layers of the earth and anchor ourselves firmly there in the center. And as we take a moment in the center of the earth, let's open ourselves to these energies that restore and nourish the darkness, the stillness, the silence, these energies that exist only in that way. In those places we can go to in solitude and we connect into this energy and reach into it as we would reach deeply into fresh water on a very hot day and draw this earth energy in allowing it to renew and restore to replenish and revitalize as we draw this energy up through all the layers of the earth and up into our body in this day into our life and into these proceedings and with this earth energy may we learn to ground ourselves in our body and on the earth in this moment and as we do this may we come to understand where we stand in life and what we stand for and as we do this may we come to understand then what we call home and to whom we belong to where we belong and to do this in a way that is not so much tied to land and people and doing it the easy way gathering around us people that look like we do and think like we do but to do so in a way that opens our hearts to that which is felt to be the other and to call this in into our homes 
to our table and to open ourselves to the provocation that will allow us to begin to become the people that we are really meant to be in our own time. And let us in this way come into great relationship with all the aspects of ourself that we are not necessarily paying such good attention to. And let us reach out with our awareness and to become connected in a better way with the environment around us and ultimately with the invisible world that is here to engage with us and to support us. And may we find right relationship in all of these ways and ultimately maybe be blessed in this day in some way, in some moment, with a moment of the oneness of all things. And may we take from that moment right relationship with ourself and right relationship with all things. So as we come to understand about groundedness and connection and nourishment and all the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way, let us draw this earth energy up from our belly to our heart, in our heart to our mind, up and out into the sky and whatever weather it holds. Let yourself touch that energy and be touched by it as you extend your awareness out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, all the way up past the heavenly bodies. Again, caressing and being caressed by, allowing your imagination to allow you to begin to more fully engage as you reach all the way to the highest power of the universe. And connect with that energy, begin to draw it in, drawing it into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings. And in this way, we call down and draw into ourselves the essence energy of blessing and protection. We call these energies in and around us and draw from that the energy of commitment and generosity and devotion. We call in all the wisdom of the cosmos and the beneficence of this world. And as that benevolence flows in, may we also connect to the inspiration and illumination that comes to guide us on this path. We draw this energy in from our heads to our hearts hearts to our bellies and down to the center of the earth and in this way because we are not lazy we go the full route up and down and connect the energy of the earth and sky allow these energies to become one within us and allow our own inner self to be nourished by this relationship this big love of these two great and most most ancient ancestors And we allow that big love to awaken the spirit of our heart. And as our heart awakens, let it awaken the power of that crucible that exists in the heart that can draw up the fiery passions of the belly without reacting to them and judging and can draw down the crystal clarity of the mind without fears and beliefs that block that vision. We draw these energies into the heart where they can dance and be divine together. And in this way, give birth the third and most sacred thing that you carry in your heart, which is that unique memory of why you are here. And may you find in that human heart the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts into manifestation in the world. And so with great gratitude for you and what you find in your heart, and give gratitude for all of the helping spirits that are gathering around us and above and below I want to give thanks to those people that also keep this show alive and well. I give thanks to Deb and John and Gretchen, Lynn, Elizabeth and Marlo for all of you and all of the helping spirits uh, create this context in which what can be said is said, what can be heard can be heard and that these proceedings can go forward in a way that is good for all living things. Thank you for helping me to put these teachings out there on in the internet world where they are free for anyone who can reach the internet. They're on iTunes. They're easier to access, I think, at whyshamanismnow.com at the website. And they're also easy to access at cocreatornetwork.com. And I want to give thanks to you for helping me to do this because it's not something that I would be able uh, or could do on my own. For those of you that are tuning in for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener supported. And I simply ask that if you are moved by the show, moved in your heart in any way, whether it is to inspiration or laughter or frustration and irritation, to recognize that you have been moved and to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow. If you are not able to donate financially, please consider some other way that you can bring the teachings into your life. You can work with them, bring them into your journey circles, perhaps learn to journey yourself. But that in some way you can share the shows, you can do something 
um, in the many, many ways that we are connected and interconnected in our lives to help the show to grow strong, to stay relevant, and to continue to track with our questions as contemporary people of how do we bring shamanism and shamanic practices into our contemporary lives. So if you'd like to donate to the show and you've never done that, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, click on the support button and donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And it really does. I don't just, I know I say that every week, but it really does. We really just bring in enough each year to cover the expenses each year. And so it really does go to keeping the show on the air, quite literally. And I am really thankful for that. And if you're uncomfortable with paying um, via the Internet, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org. And I would be happy to send you a regular old address for a regular old check. And so thank you, everyone, for helping me uh, to be there for others. So the show is live today. And if you have uh, questions about today's topic, which is um, a companion show to a show I did about a month ago, so today is about putting your life back together again after it's fallen apart. Um, so if you have questions about today's topic, you can call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in um, from the co-creatornetwork.com site, um, and you can also email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So, contemporary people, myself included, you know, we can, we can find ourselves putting a lot of effort into keeping it all pulled together so we don't look crazy. It might be a little too late for me with that one. But anyway, we try. We try to pass as normal people. Um, we don't want to be a mess. We don't want to feel like we don't have it all together. Yet there are times in life that we really do need to fall apart. And about a month ago, I did a show called The Art of Falling Apart. For those of you that want to go to Why Shamanism Now and search for that title, it's called The Art of Falling Apart. And the show, it's the show that I talked about the heart bunker. I talked about not just the general, everyday, ordinary falling apart and the ups and downs of life, but when you really need to break through a foundation that you have created that you now realize is false, and yet you've built your entire life on it. And it's it's a challenging prospect but uh, with shamanic skills it's one that we can actually do and uh, build a different life as we rise out of that place so that's what the show was about a month ago and so this was not really about that you know having a bad day call in sick fall apart but really about losing more than you thought you even had in life to lose and there are these moments when we realize that the construct of the life that we've created to survive and to thrive is in and of itself the problem. And this becomes the tricky piece then once we do fall apart in actually building the new life. So for um, so I, I need to kind of apologize because of course it was obvious after doing a show about falling apart that I should have done a show about putting my life back together again. But um, – I didn't even think about that until I received um, a wonderful email from a listener that said, okay, so, you know, so now what? My life has fallen apart, so now what? Um, now, it's the obvious companion show, and I'm really sorry about that, but today I'm going to try to explore that. You know, How do we rise up from the ashes of our former life? Okay, so here's the simple version of that answer, and this is the, kind of the main reason we're confused by this situation. Is because we don't remember having done what we did to build the first life because we did it unconsciously because while we were doing it, we were actually being children. And so we were just being children and so we weren't aware um, of what we were doing and that's why once you're an adult and your life has fallen apart or you've torn your life apart, you stand there going, hmm, I don't know how to do this because you don't remember how you did it the first time. Okay, so if we go back to being a kid, so we come, we all arrive with really great clarity about what's really going on here. We arrive with a soul that's certainly been here before, and we have a certain um, depth of consciousness and awareness that's connected to the bigger all that is. 
And then we begin to learn things from the people that we're connected to here that we are dependent on for the survival of our small little baby bodies. And we start learning, many of us start learning things that contradict the wisdom we come in with. And so that's kind of the, the, the piece that we're not really aware of happening is we're not aware that as we are learning how to, you know, how to tie a shoe or Velcro a shoe, you know, how to, how to eat peas with your fork so they don't fall off, you know, how to, how to live your life. We don't realize that while we're doing that, we are creating a belief system that is based on values, which will then run our life. We don't realize that we are creating our energy body and the, the habits that will run our energy body for better or for worse. We don't realize that we are learning in that time how to survive. And I don't mean this in a negative sense. I mean, it is important to grow up and to learn how to provide for yourself and care for your own well-being in the world. And we all learn um, practices for how to do that. Uh, and, and so then what happens for many of us is the sum total of those beliefs and values and how we run our energy, the patterns we've learned about how to express or not express our emotions, and basically how to survive in the world, the sum total of that becomes our life. And this then becomes the life many of us feel that we need to then take apart because it doesn't actually allow us um, a rich and robust relationship with the soul that came here in the first place. And there's a tendency to pathologize the life. There's a tendency to psychoanalyze the life. But the bottom line is there's really sort of nothing wrong with your life other than the fact that it's not really letting you communicate deeply with your soul and, and in that with the spirit of your heart, the Ling spirit of your heart, which we've talked about on and on, Taoistic sort of Chinese medicine term about the heart. But it's that inner voice of the heart and this is this is the the cultivation of these voices of our soul and our heart is how we know why we're here i mean part of the reason you don't know why you're here is because you're not talking to the parts of yourself that know i mean it, it's not pathology it's just you didn't you weren't taught to pay attention there and so so a lot of the oh my God, I don't know how to rebuild my life, is because we don't remember consciously building the first one. And so what we have to do now is rebuild those structural pieces that a life is shaped on. That's really pretty. Anyway, so there, that's the show. Bye. No. <laughs> so what I'm going to talk about today, hopefully, is um, put it more into the brass tacks of okay so how do we do that you know what how how does that experience feel then as a grown-up um terrified and still being driven by the um, patterns of our childhood so deeply that we're not actually functioning as adults in the world nonetheless in theory the show is that's the life that you have torn apart now here you are standing in the ashes and the rubble and you want to know how to go forward. So I'm going to share some pieces from the listener's um, email because it was a it's a beautiful example of what it feels like. And I'm sharing her words largely directly as quotes um, primarily because I, I hear things like this. Well, I read things like this from people all the time that experience right now. But that experience is... Um, sort of the archetypal shadow experience that we as a culture experience because we're not initiated into adulthood and given the, the wisdom that we need to be in ongoing direct relationship with our soul and to have a healthy energy body and um, to understand how important a relationship with our soul actually is in our ongoing survival. Okay, so... This is what the listener says. So the big issue is that I did leave my entire life. I left my work. I left my husband. They worked together, so it was kind of a package deal. Um, since then, I have been traveling the world, living the biggest spiritual journey of my life, yet living um, off my savings. And now 
when it's time to come back and settle to make a living, I can't find my roots. And this is a typical situation because for many of us, we, we are utterly unaware the degree to which we quote unquote ground ourselves or root ourselves in the world in our family story. We don't realize that we're actually not grounded in the world. We're grounded in the story of our family. And so if we tear down the story of our family as the only truth, then we are uprooted and we don't know how necessarily to ground into the world, into the real world, our real body into the real world, which is why there's a show about that in the archives. And so for many of you, if you're new to Why Shamanism Now, the Basics of Living Well series are some of the components to help you to do the things that I'm going to talk about today. So the important thing to understand is you really can't do anything until you find your roots. Casting about to create your life without rooting yourself is asking for trouble right there. So your life has fallen apart. It's all been torn apart. Uh, but one, one way or another, so you've created the situation where there's nothing there. It's not, uh, it's not just that what used to be there isn't there. There is the feeling that there is nothing there. So now what? The important thing is it's never true that there's nothing there. The question is what do you value? It's no longer about what does your family value, what did your church value, what did your neighborhood value, what did your circle of friends value, what does your culture value. The question for you if you have done the work to tear your life apart is what do you value? And I don't want to see a list. Well, I don't want to see your list anyway, but I don't want to see a list of 24 new agey answers. I value service to the world. I value peace, right? You know, what do you value? What is worth dying for? That's a value-based question. And the truth is what you value, what rises up as your highest value will evolve over time as your capacity to master life on earth evolves. So it's not like you're trying to get the right answer to the test. The question is right now in the moment, standing in the ashes and the rubble of your life, what do you value? I'm not saying what do you need from a survival perspective. What do you value? What single thing do you value above all else? So narrow down your list. This is the kind of thing contemporary people don't like to think about. We want it all, all the time. We don't want to have to focus in on deeply sacrificing all of the things that make us comfortable, make us happy, make us all of these things, and pare it down to the single thing that we value most in the world. And the important thing and the tricky thing about this is if you have children – in this particular context of this question of rebuilding your life and finding your roots, you cannot use them to answer this question. I get that they are the thing that you most value, and that's, that's correct. I mean, that's right and true. In addition to that, though, you need to know why you're here. Okay, so what do you value? Think about it. Feel into it. Wrestle with your answers, right? Don't just do one happy meditation and call it good. But really wrestle with this. What matters the most to you in your life right now? So for me, long ago, the thing that mattered most to me was to not feel sick and terrible all the time. I was too young, too young to be feeling like crap all the time. I was 20-something, should have been vital and excited and feeling great in my body, and I didn't. Another, you know, down the road, the next thing I felt was I didn't want to bore my heart to death. And I knew that my life was. So that became the most important thing, to not bore myself to death, right? The next, another point in time in my life, the most valuable thing was why am I here? Most important thing to me. I sacrificed everything to answer that question. Another time in my life, the answer was simply love. 
So my point is you need an honest answer at a level of value, not preference or desire or survival, but value. What values? What is a reason? What is the reason right now that your soul is here in your body? Okay. You have to be honest and you have to not be grandiose. And remember that what you got, what got you into trouble in the first place with the life that you've just torn apart is that you were valuing what other people think, what other people feel, because children have to. For the most part, given the way we raise children, children have to value what their parents care about. I'm not saying in a different kind of culture, children might not be so desperate to figure out what their parents value, right? But to a certain sense, a child raised in a culture and in a family is always going to be taking cues from the family and the culture about values. It's great when those values line up with the values they came in with. It's problematic when they're contrary. But the point is what you value is really important because in the beginning of your life, you learn to value what other people value, the ones that loved you and had the food because they were keeping you alive. And so you learn to value things that were basically being defined outside of yourself. And the important thing about this question now in rebuilding your life is what stirs your heart? What moves you? What matters at a life or death level to you? What do you value? And then create a physical life that allows you to be in daily relationship with what you value. Connect with what you value daily to cultivate a strong heart. So I mean that in terms of vision and intention and focus. What is worth living for? What is worth dying for? Every morning to start the day as you rise, connecting in with those things because you may not have manifested them. They're very fully yet in your life. But you need to reconnect with them in a way that strengthens your heart so that you are engaged in a conversation with your heart in the morning that is about the things that are worth living for because that activates your strong heart. And you can create a mantra for yourself each day that really roots you into what you value and helps you then shape your life by what you value. So it's simple, you know, one, two, three uh, phrases that you can memorize that operates as a mantra that keeps you constantly connected in your mind uh, because the, and heart because the words are coming from your heart, your mind and heart with what you value. So that is one of the most important things is to begin to find your roots in the world based on what you value and decide what it is that you stand for and you put your roots down there, right? You you begin to ground yourself and uh, cultivate a sense of yourself, your purpose, and your energy body right there based on your values, right? Then go get a job. Yes, I did say that. Go get a job. Don't worry about it being the right fit for you. Don't worry about your soul's purpose. Don't worry about service to others. Don't worry about any of those things that making it getting a job complicated because the bottom line is you are not in service to those poor people over there if you're actually living on the couch of these other people over here. If you are not in a place of good self-care, If you're not caring for yourself, you are a burden on someone as an adult. And the important thing, if you are rebuilding your life, is you need to rebuild a life based on your adult capacity to take care of yourself. So go get a job. It's it's not complicated. And, and, And getting stuck in this visionary place of of the way to recreate my life begins at finding the perfect vocation for myself so that I'm living my soul's purpose is absolutely, it's not even getting the cart before the horse. It's, it's like not even being on the road you're on yet. It is so much starting where you have not yet begun and it will lock you there into indecision 
and into fantasy. And so what's going to happen is your false self is going to start to restore itself in the new world, take over, take charge, and begin to create a life for you that is a new version of the one you just tore apart. So do not go there. Get a job and deal with your survival needs. Get a job that moves you out out of your very realistic survival fears. Anyone can recreate a new version of the life that just collapsed. Any of us can do that. That's not the point of what we're talking about. If you've just gone through the work of deconstructing a life to the level of, you know, the steel girders that hold things up, the beliefs and the values, then the important thing is to not dither, not get into this stuck visionary illusory place where you don't start taking action because survival is a daily issue it's a feet on the ground take care of yourself issue and you may have people caring for you but that doesn't solve your survival issues because our survival issues come out of a need in each one of us to know that we can take care of ourselves. And so get a job. We want to create a new story for a truly new life. And humans can't afford to care about what motivates their heart when they're living in a survival fear. No matter how comfortably you're living in your survival fears. Because you've got friends that have it all together that have an extra room or whatever. Right? No matter how comfortably other people are taking care of you. For you to recreate your life based on new values that are not child values. Because as a child, other people were taking care of you. So if you want to build a life based on your values that is an adult life, you need to take care of yourself. It needs to be based on your capacity to care for yourself. And you can't fool your survival issues. Because your survival issues see it the same way you did as a child. If these people die, I'm screwed. So you need to be the one doing it. So get a job that satisfies your survival fears and allows you to take care of yourself. And so part of it is recognizing that two things will utterly distort your ability to craft a truly new life, which is the fear of survival. And it's a real fear. You need to resolve it in a real way. And the fear that you're somehow fundamentally not able to care for yourself. So, for example, let's, let's, this isn't stereotypical. This is real. This rises up all the time when a woman who has been a stay-at-home mother is now suddenly in charge and that the life has fallen apart. There's this deep, ingrained cultural message that goes to women that they can't take care of themselves, which is really bizarre to me because, of course, women are taking care of everybody. They're quite capable of taking care of things. And yet we create this, this cultural mind-numbing program that you're not going to be able to take care of yourself unless you're in a relationship. So that's one of the many stereotypical but true um, programs out there that make people feel like they can't take care of themselves. And, and that fear, either that literal survival fears or this sort of perceived fear that you are unable to care for you're sort of somehow fundamentally unable to care for yourself those two things will distort your capacity to create a new life your new life will end up being fear-based just like the first one and you'll create a new version of the old life and you know the point of this show is to try to answer this woman's questions about how do you actually create a new life so look at your current skill set the ones you the skills you already have you know, much to my father's dismay because he did pay for my undergraduate education, I made a living in my adult life doing exactly what I had done in high school. I had some, some blue-collar skill set, and that's what I used. So, you know, use your skills. There's nothing inherently wrong about your corporate America skills or your blue-collar skills or your whatever skills. If your life has just fallen apart, you are standing in the rubble and the ashes and you need to go get a job, you need to assess your skills and find a job that allows you to meet your monthly needs. If your life just fell apart, that should be doable because you shouldn't have a whole lot of monthly needs, right? You're not living in a big house. 
You know, you know, you don't have that burden of that life that you used to be trying to support. It should be really simple, right, to meet your needs. If it's not, then look at what is making it not simple to meet my needs. My needs at this stage of my life, since I supposedly don't have one because it's fallen down all around my ankles, right, why is it not simple? What, what are the things that make it complicated? And do your best to simplify them. I mean, literally, if you need to consolidate debt, consolidate debt. You know, find some way to simplify it to the best of your ability. The job you find needs to stay in its box in time and energy. In other words, if it's 30 hours a week, it needs to be 30 hours a week. You show up, you do good work, you leave, you take your paycheck home, right? That's the kind of job that you need right now. A job that simply meets your survival needs and does not distract you from the other things you need to be paying attention to. So it needs to stay in its box in terms of time and energy, which also means it needs to be a job that does not come home with you. So it needs to be something that you don't have to think about once you leave. With that said, you need to be sure whether you're thinking about it because it's the nature of the job or because that's how you are. Because if you're bringing it home because that's how you are, now you're talking about a different thing. You're talking about one of the gifts in your life right now to teach you. It's not the job's fault you're bringing it home. It's yours. So you need to learn what you need to learn so that you can stop doing that. And the fourth thing is the job needs to not be a totally toxic environment. Is it going to make you wildly happy to go do it? Probably not. But as long as it's not totally toxic, I mean, truly these days, I hear people talking about work as if work in and of itself is inherently toxic. It is not. So be careful as you assess, is this work environment actually toxic or is this just me not wanting to go to work because I don't want to take care of myself. I don't want to have to make decisions. Right? That's what got you in trouble in the first place. Okay. So find a job. Meet your monthly needs, stays in a box in terms of time and energy, doesn't come home with you, and isn't totally toxic. That's all that matters. Get a job. There's nothing wrong with going back to corporate America. There's nothing inherently wrong with that if the job meets all four of the criteria above. I have seen people return to exactly the same job that they left with the same company, doing exactly the same thing, but under different conditions. So, for example, one woman went from being a partner in a law firm to going back to the same law firm doing exactly the same job, but because she was no longer a partner, she no longer had the responsibility and the worry, she was able to fit that same job into a much different box and was able to entirely finance the transformation of her life without any survival fears, didn't need to go to school, didn't need to get a new skill set, able to use exactly the skill set she had before in the life she tore apart to finance the transformation of the new life. Do not just write off your skills because they happen to fit only in corporate America. There's nothing inherently wrong with that if you can find a job there that fits in the box. Okay, so it's important to remember Transforming a life takes resources, it takes time, it takes energy, and sometimes it takes money. It's a very challenging, having done it this way myself, cutting myself off from all of my resources, putting myself in a position where it took enormous amounts of time and energy to simply feed myself, it is the hardest way to do it. And there was a whole level of struggle inherent in that that was unnecessary. I know everybody, people say, oh, you always get exactly what you need. Well, and sometimes you get a little bit more than you really need, right? So get a job that fits into the box. Because changing your life and building a new life can take, take resources. I mean, primarily the resources it's going to take is your time and energy, but a lot of time and energy can get eaten up in jobs that aren't a good fit. So assess your skill set. Go find a job. So then she says, I can't seem to find how to align my life's vision with my current skill set. And so this is exactly what I was just addressing. Don't worry about doing that initially. Go get a job. Then think about your vision. I don't know where to start 
where to live, who to serve, and how to make money. So the important thing is knowing where to live, who to serve, are not on the same plane in terms of your decision making. How to make money is one of the important things because you need to take care of your survival issues and maybe where to live is going to be tied to how you make money. But that's where to start. Well, where you start is with your values. And then you move from that place into getting a job. That's where to start. She says, now that I expanded my wings into the world, I'm having a challenge to to choose between taking a job and having some stability. Yes, do that. Or continue my practice as a movement meditation teacher. Well, the question is, will that practice support your monthly needs? If not, right now, get a job. Do this on the side. Or diving deeper into my freelance design practice. So there's three things going on here. And this is the problem that I see people doing with the life that's fallen apart. Is they keep juggling all of these options instead of deciding what can I do right now that can find me a decent job that fits in the box that will attend to my survival needs so that I can actually turn my attention to crafting the new life. So putting food on your table does not occur in the same mindset as crafting a new life. That crafting a new life requires a luxury of time and energy that we do not have when we are trying to survive. And this is something people that have a lot of rank and privilege don't understand until their life has fallen apart. They don't recognize that if a brain is trying to tick check off the survival issues on a daily basis, it cannot go into this dreaming place other than as fantasy and escape. And as I said, I mean this very seriously for those of you that enjoy rank and privilege in whatever culture you live in, rank, privilege, and power, you may not know this. It may be a really rude slap in the face to feel this when your life has fallen apart. So stay honest and lucid and set realistic priorities. Stay out of fantasy thinking and ask yourself honestly, what will allow you to satisfy your survival needs? Dedicate yourself to your energy practices. So this is why your survival needs need to be taken care of because for you to craft your new life, you need time to dedicate to crafting a new energy body, one that is grounded, one that has healthy boundaries, one that um, has healthy energy moving through your chakras, one that engages in a good way with others, with the world, one that can take the shit that happens every day and turn it into the teachings that you need for clearing. This is all about time to cultivate, time to do your practices, and time potentially to learn some new skills to do that in a better or more efficient way. This is what I'm trying to say you need to create the time and potentially resources for. Which is why, what do I do to expand my wings and make a living is a different choice than what do I do to put food on my table? Put the food on your table so that you can begin to realistically move your awareness and energy into what do I do now that I've spread my wings? Maintain your health. And if your health has been an aspect of your life falling apart, pursue restoring your health. What you learn on the journey to restore your health is part of the path. Don't avoid it. Do it. And know that you can always do things on the side. Now, at a certain point in my life, I started doing shamanic healing and then ultimately teaching, and it's evolved into the life that I have now. And those of you that are listening to me on the radio show see this life I have now. And I can say, yes, I do something involved with shamanism and this work full time. I don't have a day job. This is my day job. And it has been for decades. But that wasn't true in the beginning. In the beginning, I worked nine hours in a costume shop sewing. I walked to work. I walked home. I was very, and I made $9 an hour. And I lived in Manhattan. 
So everything was extremely conservative, extremely humble, and I saw one client a night, and I was absolutely exhausted. And that was the beginning because the shamanic work had to happen on the side because of the way my life was supported at the time. Don't worry about that. You're not not doing it if you're doing it on the side. It takes a while to develop your skills and whatever the new thing is. There's nothing wrong with having a day job and doing something on the side. You'll eventually transition out of that. But but there's something about people of rank and privilege and power in life that they somehow feel like there's something wrong with having to work that hard. I worked my ass off to get here. And I have rank and privilege. But the truth of the matter is, to get to here, I had to sacrifice a lot of it. And that's part of the thing. You've got to be willing to become a humble human being and to give up the status that you have in this culture often. You know, because if you're someone who can talk about your life falling apart, it means you had one in this culture. So be very careful around really being lucid about what it is that you can sacrifice because the bottom line is you can sacrifice all the rank, all the privilege, and all the power your culture gave you because how because of the skin you were born into. You can sacrifice every ounce of that because the true power based on your true values is the same as every other human walking this planet and it rises up from you deciding what you value in life, grounding yourself in your body on the earth and building a life based on what matters to your heart and your soul. And in that effort, we are all equal. And the sooner you give up, unless you can figure out how to wrangle those resources into that process, give it up. Create your life. So, where was I? Right, okay. So, the listener, she says, I want to be of service to the world and to live a fulfilling life, enhancing our lives through the mind-body connection, beautifying our surroundings, and contributing to this global movement of consciousness expansion. All good things, all noble things, all valuable things. What can I do to recover from having fallen apart in my entirety? So, you know, what's interesting about the juxtaposition of this this, uh, question here is you need to sit back and look at the fact that the life that has fallen about entirely is the life that didn't allow you to feel of service to the world, um, didn't seem to give you the time for your body-mind connection, uh, didn't seem to be beautifying the surroundings. You know, so, so part of it is really thinking about what are you wanting to rebuild? Your only image for life is based on this old structure which didn't support many of these things that you value now. And frankly, you know, there's a whole lot, at least in America, because we consume such an enormous amount of the planet's resources to live the lifestyle that everyone thinks they deserve here in this country. You, know, you need to step back and really think about that because it's, it's, it's a knee-jerk impulse to imagine life that way in this particular culture. So think about it. What do you really want? What do you really need? So the important thing about this desire, though, to be of service and to do good work in the world is you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot lead where you have not followed. These are deep Taoistic principles. But the most important thing when you're in this place of rebuilding your life is to remember you cannot give to others what you do not have yourself. So enhance your own life through simple service in your community, something that's right there, right at hand that you can do if you want to serve. There's so many people that talk about wanting to be of service to the world and don't look around them locally and simply step up and volunteer and serve somewhere. It's one of the most powerful things that happened after September 11th in New York is all of a sudden, for a period of time, people stepped into service in ways they never had before. And it made their lives more valuable. It didn't have anything to do with their soul's purpose. It had to do with simply doing what needed to be done. That's service. Do it if that's what you value. right? 
because you cannot step into this grand service to the world if you're not already doing that in your immediate everyday life. Cultivate your body-mind connection so that you can model that out in the world. Beautify your surroundings so that you radiate that out in the world. Expand your own consciousness about the patterns that bind you. Create in your own little life locally these things that you're imagining doing on a larger scale with your work in the world. But know that you must make it in your own life first before you can give it. And in doing that for yourself, you'll discover the deeper pull of your destiny in that. You cannot start where you have not yet begun. So start locally. So the listener asks, are there any exercises that I can do to finally inhabit my whole self, regain my life, and become who I really came here to be? Yes, life. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean that with a smile. I'm not trying to be an ass. But the point is, there is no one exercise that learning to inhabit your whole self, regain your life, and become who you really came here to be is life. That is what we are meant to be living and to gain some mastery in that and to do it with greater and greater sort of finesse and refinement as we age. So I mean that with a smile. But yes, live your life from the perspective that that's why you're here. You're not here to do other things. You are here with one responsibility, which is to live your unique soul's purpose through the things that you do in your life so there's no single practice but you are but the listener is correct in recognizing that she needs a practice and actually we need multiple practices right so for most of us your your energy body after your life has fallen into a shambles around your feet is still going to be in the old pattern for the old life because our energy body is very habitual so unless um, you actually transformed your energy body as part of the life falling apart, which can happen sometimes, right? So unless that was actually intentionally part of that process of the falling apart, then you definitely need to engage in the cultivation of an energy body that supports the beliefs and values that you now hold and allows you to change the patterning in your energy body based on your old life. Again, basics of living well. You may need new skills to do this, and this is a daily practice um, until your new habits take root and your energy body is transformed. I personally believe that it is enormously important to exercise your heart physically and emotionally. If your heart or love or values of the heart are not the values you're coming up with that is most important to you. And that's okay. We've got lifetimes where it's not the most important thing. Then you might ignore this part. But the important thing about the heart is even if the heartfelt things are not the things that are your, of your highest value. For some people, they're more mental. For some people, they're more physical. I mean, it's fine. But your heart also plays a role in your ability to live your values. Right? So if you're being honest with your values, you knowing that because it's resonating in your heart. So in terms of cultivating a life where you can follow your own truth and live your own values, your heart needs to be strong to do that, even if the values are not necessarily of the heart's realm. So don't avoid this no matter what your values are. Just because you have very mental values you know, care most about something that is primarily mental. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But to manifest it, you're still going to need a healthy heart. So exercise your heart physically and emotionally. Engage it. Use it. Live from it. So in terms of your practices, you are also going to need to cultivate a new relationship with the world, which is essentially our cosmology. In my work that I teach, we focus this at our altar practice each day. But the point of it is, is that you need to understand in a new way the world, how it got here, how you got here, and why you're here, and how you and the world are working together for you to manifest that. And then the role that the communal plays in that. And so that's an important piece to 
learn in a new way if you want to actually create a new life. You got that very unconsciously. We all do. And that's why people don't realize how important it is and how deeply it drives our life. If you don't delete the old one and cultivate for yourself a new one, the old one will drive you. Because human beings have to have one. It's just the ones most people have, without thinking about it, are pretty faulty and cobbled together out of bits and pieces of a culture that's failing. Okay. And then, of course, the fourth set of practices you need to think about is dedicating yourself to your spiritual practices. So what connects you to your soul and helps you move, your, move in that realm of your relationship with your soul? Is it song, chanting mantras? Is it about that? Is it dance? Is it movement? Is it yoga, tai chi things? Is it art? Do you need to create? Is it meditation? Is it time out in nature? Whatever those practices are, do them. Because if you want your relationship with your soul to be a major player in the creation of your new life, you need to cultivate that relationship. So becoming who you came here to be is a path of mastery. If this is one of your highest values, then step on that path, ground in your body and engage with the life that is right in front of you. It's not about dreaming about what's what could be. It's about engaging in that way in the life that you have right now. Cultivate enough free energy, free space, and free time to begin to dream and cut out of your life whatever you must to create space to court your destiny. So the typical thing is people want their new life and their soulmate. And so this energy goes into finding that soulmate and not into the love affair with your destiny. So being a man or a woman you came here to be is a love story. Don't fool yourself. It is about absolute devotion to what you love most in your heart. What makes your heart sing because it is your uniqueness. And it is becoming manifest in the world in a way that others can receive your gifts. Your greatest act of service is to do what you have come here to do. So if you want to serve, know what that is and do it. To express your unique genius through your actions in the world is service. For some this means um, it barely matters what you're actually doing. Because what really matters is how you do it depending on what your uniqueness is. For others, the vehicle will matter. But the important thing is to serve others, is to remember that to serve others in a way that abandons your uniqueness um, is not service. So in that creation of the life where you want your life's work to be a work of service, it needs to also be an expression of your uniqueness and your gifts. So being the man or the woman you came here to be is a love story. It is a great story that begins, as all love stories begin, with great passion. Passion is messy. Great love stories touch both darkness and light. And great love stories are painful. So once you are literally grounded in your life, once your new life is sustaining and not teetering in and out of survival issues, once you are devoted to your practices and beginning to cultivate this new sense of self, then you must tune into your passion. Do things that allow you to be in your passion simply for the sake of feeling your passion. Know what your passion feels like in your body and heal these two things if they arise. One would be the inability to actually feel your passion. But the other is judgments, fears, beliefs, things that arise when your passion rises that limit or um, somehow trap your passion in particular ways. Okay. So then allow your passion to begin to guide you to the source of your power. All true power is mediated in the heart. And different hearts are moved by different things. So it's important to know what is your passion. What does it feel like? Feel it moving in your heart and in your belly and allow yourself to connect with your true power. 
do the last thing that is important to find as you've connected with your passion is who will guide you. Who are the helping spirits that are there with you that will help to guide you through the dark times? So it is our task to be both in the flow and ultimately be able to bring that feeling into how we live our everyday life. So it is our task to feel that flow and to learn to live everyday, grounded, and expressive life that remains in that flow. One cannot create the life of meaning and purpose from a totally blissed out state. We don't live there. We touch there and then we want to close the gap creating this mastery by the end of our life of being able to bring that flow state in to our everyday chopping wood and carrying water. So the important thing is what makes your heart sing personally, not in that blissed out flow, but here grounded in your body on earth. That blissed out flow is enjoying the orchestra. The question to create your life is what is your part in that great song? So I want to thank the ancestral helping spirits for teaching us all the time, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. So for the global, the Shamanism Global Summit, which runs next week, August 4th through 6th, the registration link is now up on the Why Shamanism Now Facebook page. It is up on the Last Mass Center homepage. You can click the link and register, even though the event is free, Um, you are required to register to get all the technology set up. And the Global Shamanism Summit includes um, speakers literally from all over the world talking about shamanism. So thank you everyone for listening today.